0: When the 12 apostles said to Jesus, dismiss the crowds, I wonder how he felt. All these people are listening to Jesus preach about the kingdom. They feel hope coming alive in them. They feel faith growing in them. But they're hungry. They have not left Jesus' presence for an entire day from dawn to dusk. Just like how some of us have stood in line all day for concert tickets or a job interview or just something for your kids. There's something worth sticking around for even if you're missing meals. But for the apostles to tell Jesus, dismiss the crowds? In Matthew and Mark, the scripture says that Jesus' heart is torn with compassion at the sight of the crowds. Torn with compassion. I know that feeling. As a priest and a pastor, it's one of my greatest joys to feed God's people with the bread of life, with Jesus himself. A father feeds his family. But for a multitude of reasons, some are not able to receive Holy Communion, or at least not yet. And that's painful to me. Some days that tears me up. Jesus wants no one to go away hungry. He wants all to be fed. He has plenty to give. He has so much to give. This is alluded to by the 12 wicker baskets of leftover loaves. When the twelve tribes of Israel in the desert gathered the manna six days a week, it was just enough for each person to get through the day. But here, there's super abundance. There's more than they need for the redeemed Israel, which is those who now gather around Jesus. There's a huge overflowing basket of bread, and in fact, one for each of the twelve tribes. Jesus desires to unite Himself with us in the Eucharist, and when we feel that hunger, that hunger for Him, we are actually first responding to Jesus' hunger for us, to feed us, to shepherd us, to love us, to transform us. This year on the Feast of Corpus Christi, I want to briefly share the stories of three Eucharistic women These women all experienced that hunger of Christ to feed them, and they responded to it. They did not let themselves go away hungry, but instead chose to heed His command, do this in memory of me. In turn, they themselves hungered to share the Eucharist with others, not to dismiss the crowds, but to in fact bring others closer to their Eucharistic Lord. The first woman is Dorothy Day, who I consider an old friend, even though we've never actually met. Born in 1897, she was an activist, an anarchist, and a socialist before becoming Catholic. And Day founded the Catholic Worker Movement. In many ways, the Catholic Worker Movement was a response, a practical response to Jesus' words, give them some food yourselves. Dorothy Day spent many, many years giving food to the hungry, shelter to the homeless, taking care of the disenfranchised. But before that, she writes about her days of young life in New York City. She would go out all night partying, but the next day she'd be curious because she would see these Catholics who would be walking to Mass very early in the morning, like the break of dawn, and going to Mass on a weekday. Here's what she writes. You will be surprised, but there was many a morning after sitting all night in taverns or coming from balls over at Webster Hall that I went to an early mass at St. Joseph Church on 6th Avenue. It was just around the corner from where I lived. And seeing people going to an early weekday mass attracted me. What are they finding there? I seemed to feel the faith of those about me, and I longed for their faith. My own life was sordid, and yet I had had occasional glimpses of the true and the beautiful. So I used to go in and kneel in the back pew of St. Joseph's. The second woman is Abigail Favale. I recently stumbled upon her because of her new book, which is called The Genesis of Gender. Favale grew up as an evangelical Christian, but when she went to college, her own religious heritage couldn't withstand the counter-arguments of feminist thought, and so she left the church and became a feminist scholar and professor. Much later, she became Catholic, and she discovered, much to her surprise, that in the church of the Eucharist, in the Catholic church, she could both profess Christ and profess a powerful feminism. In fact, she calls herself these days a heretical feminist. Not heretical from the side of the church, but actually uh, meaning heretical because she deviates from what the world of academia considers acceptable. Here's how she describes moving from being a merely spiritual person, a person who's spiritual but not religious, to acknowledging her Eucharistic hunger for something real. My preoccupation with incarnation was the golden hook that allowed divine grace to reel me into the Catholic Church. By the end of my 20s, I was spiritually starved. Toying with religious concepts and metaphors was not enough, precisely because they cannot be truly incarnational when cut off from the reality of the incarnation, a reality that is made visible and tangible in the sacraments. I was tired of just thinking about incarnation. I needed to taste it to taste Him, the Word made flesh. And that Eucharistic longing propelled me forward into a sudden and unexpected conversion." The third woman is Juliana of Liege. She was born in Belgium in 1191. And unlike Dorothy and Abigail, Juliana was raised in the Catholic faith from her youth. She was exceptionally learned. She could read the works of St. Augustine and St. Bernard in their original Latin, which was a very rare thing for a man or a woman at that time. Juliana was constantly overwhelmed by the final line of Matthew's gospel, where Jesus says, "'Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age.'" And she took that in reference to the Eucharist, Christ's body and blood. It's thanks to Juliana that we celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi each year on this day. In her very dreams, Jesus revealed to her that he wanted a feast to commemorate his real presence each year in the universal church. Juliana brought these dreams and these messages to other people, including her bishop. She encountered much resistance and many obstacles to her mission, but she wouldn't let herself be dissuaded. She wouldn't just dismiss the crowds like the Twelve suggested. Instead, she allowed herself to feel Jesus' hunger to feed his flock. She allowed Jesus' hunger to become her own. And years later, not too many years later, but years later, Pope Urban himself recognized the authenticity of Juliana's dreams and what Juliana heard from Christ. Pope Urban established the feast of Corpus Christi for the global church, which we still celebrate today. In their hunger for God, each of these women experienced Jesus' own hunger to feed them, to shepherd them, to love them, to transform them. Their spiritual hunger would only be satisfied through their holy communion with Jesus in His body and in His blood on this altar. Each of them then in turn served Jesus' disciples by sharing His own hunger to give Himself to them, these three Eucharistic women did not dismiss the crowds, but instead they grew in faith. Faith that with Jesus, there is enough. With Jesus, there is in fact more than enough. They allowed their hearts to be torn with compassion, like Jesus' heart was. Today, as we gather around this altar and celebrate this Eucharist today, May we be astounded by Christ's hunger for us. And may we share his hunger to bring others, to bring everyone to his Eucharist.